0: You're tuned into Steelers Saturday on your 24 7 home for the black and gold
1: SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Now here's Tom Offerman, Jacob Recht, and Kellen Gursky.
2: This is Steelers Standard. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about the Defensive Player of the Year Award and the travesty of. That was done to T.J. Watt when it was awarded to Aaron Donald. But before we get to that, we're going to start with some positive news in Steelers Nation. And that is, it was a great weekend as far as Hall of Fame inaugurations are concerned for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Alan Fanica finally getting in and a man who was made to wait way, way too long. Bill Nunn also elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So guys, those are two pretty great Things to happen for Steelers Nation over Super Bowl Sunday weekend and for Alan Fanica let's start with him Uh, much deserving 13 year NFL career 10 of those seasons were spent with the Pittsburgh Steelers and it's about time that Alan Fanica got in because there's no question that he was probably the best offensive lineman in the decade that he played. There might be some debate for that, but he was certainly top two or three, and you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame if you're top two or three of your decade.
1: Yeah, no question. Uh, and long overdue for Alan Fanica, yep. to say the very least. Um, you know, you mentioned what a fourteen year pro, a nine time Pro Bowl, or a six time all pro uh mm. won a Super Bowl as well. And as you mentioned, you know, you said that he probably was one of, if not the best linemen um of that of that, you know, that stretch, that decade. He was um on the Hall of Fame all two thousands teams that gives you an indication of of how good alan fanica was um and and, you know obviously everyone knows how good fanica was but i mean kind of his career defining play was that uh that big run by willie parker in the super bowl he had the key block um and, and he joined stan savern this week and he talked about that and said um he had to you know as soon as he threw the block he knew in his head like oh my god we have him uh, this is going to go big. And he turned and looked to see where Willie was at. And then he saw the touchdown. So, um, yeah, I mean, he has been waiting way, way, way too long. But um, you could hear it in his voice when when he talked to Stan and, and all the media stuff that he's done this week um, that he's just I, I think there's a sense of relief for him because he knows that he was deserving and um you know the hall of fame guy even told him like i can't wait to hug you in person and i'm tired of calling you and telling you that you didn't make the final cut um so it's it's well overdue but it's very good it's it's great that um that alan fanica finally is going to be enshrined in the hall of fame
0: yeah i couldn't agree more i mean you talk about sealer's greats he is up there there was mike webster and then came along germani dawson and now there is Alan Fanica. I'm sure Marquise Pouncey is Hall of, will be Hall of Fame eligible and hopefully he'll get in one day. But to me, those three guys are by far the three most outstanding linemen in this franchise. And that says a lot when you're talking about this franchise specifically, a franchise that has more Hall of Famers, I believe, than any other team. I think maybe only the Green Bay Packers are close, but that's about it. And I think he was by far the best stealer offensive lineman of that 2000s decade. I mean... We all know the Willie Parker 75-yard run record for a, a run in the Super Bowl, so you love to see that, that he's able to say I had a big part in that. But, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that he was one of the key offensive linemen to those, uh, especially that that one 2005 Super Bowl run, because without him, I mean, I, I just don't know if Jerome Bettis is the same guy. I mean, Jerome is a great player, but Alan Fanica really led the way, and, and and kind of opened the floodgates, if you will, for all the pounding that Jerome took on opposing defenses. I loved Alan Faneca. You know when David DeCastro came in wearing number 66, I said, huh. I said to myself, that's a that's a big uh, shoe you're trying to fill there, DD. But uh, DeCastro has been doing well so far. Obviously, we know he had problems this year, but number 66 will always be always be remembered in Steelers history as Alan Fanica thankfully we can say now is the hall of famer as you said kellen i forget the the tall dude name uh from the hall of fame the big burly guy who's always i couldn't
1: remember his name either so yeah
0: i mean we all saw the clip of at alan fanica's house with his family being in on the surprise because they had to make sure that they were home so they can knock on the door properly but yeah i mean the joy in that man's face telling alan fanica we've waited year after year for you to get this and i'm so happy we finally can and I mean, that guy isn't even a a Pittsburgher, isn't like a a typical Steeler fan. So you can imagine how. He knows how long he's been
2: waiting. Oh, yeah. You
0: can imagine how happy the rest of us are knowing exactly the impact that he had uh, and kind of just. Leading that way, getting back to Steelers' pound-and-ground football that we saw in the in the early 2000s. It, oh. it
2: felt like a little mini-win for Steelers Nation on, on Saturday. And
0: a much-needed much win yeah. s- when some bad news was
2: And that's including fall, Bill yeah. Nunn, the guy we'll get to yeah. in a second here. But, Kellen, you mentioned at the top his accolades, a nine-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, uh, won the Super Bowl in that 2005 season with the Steelers. But some stats that really just were shocking to me when it comes to alan fanica's career he missed one game in 1999 and then another game in 2001 other than that he played every single game of his career he only i don't think missed i knew that two games from <laughs> his start of his career in the night and i believe 98 until he finished in 2010 with the arizona cardinals and that's including with the jets and the cardinals he played all 16 seasons in the twilight of his career so that's outstanding i uh, uh, they say your best uh, ability is availability and he there was certainly available yeah. every single weekend for the Steelers and then the Jets and the Cardinals as well. He was only called for holding four times in his career. <laughs> Doesn't that seem like an impossibility yeah. when I say that to you? Four times in 2000 and in 2002 and then in 09 and 10 with the Jets he was called for holding. So really only twice as a <laughs> Pittsburgh Steeler was he it's ever amazing. called. For holding, and he had 24 false starts in his career, which kind of seems a little high when you talk about just four holdings. But over a 13-year career, 24 times jumping—that's uh, pretty good. That's Hall yeah. Fame worthy. I mean, those were definitely some of the stats that really shocked me. I, I think the four holds in that entire 13-year career is—it's—it's it's an anomaly, right? Like that's is, something that, that seems average? impossible. What is
0: that average? One holding call every four years? That's maybe? what I yeah. pretty
2: much like that, and it's. It's insane for me to think about that, the, the amount of discipline that it takes. And you hear guys like Wolf and Tunch say constantly, uh, there's holding on every play. Right. You know, you get caught with the habeas gravis. It's just a matter if a guy sees you holding or not. You could really call it if you're a ref on any play. Well, either Alan Fanica was the best of all time at making refs not see the hold, or he was just the most disciplined, fundamentally sound blocker in the history of the NFL. And
1: and one of the things that sticks out to me, too, I mean, those numbers are incredible, but um, Tunch and Wolf have talked about this, and, and Matt and Dale have done the same thing on Steeler Nation Radio. I can't remember what year it was, but they would move Fanica out to tackle on, like, passing downs because they didn't have a, a serviceable tackle at the time. Um, he would play guard, but on passing downs and to protect whoever the quarterback was at the time, I can't remember what year it was probably well before I really remember football, but, um, they would move him out to tackle to, to play tackle on passing situations like that's unheard of now, like that you, you can't even begin to, to just draw that up like, Oh, Hey, we're just going to move our guard. Who's an all pro out to tackle and hope, hope it works out. Um, but that's the stuff that the Steelers did when they had Fanica, and that just tells you how good Alan Fanica was. Um, and, again, you know, long overdue, but, uh, I mean, when you can move a guy that primarily plays guard and really has played guard pretty much his whole career, uh, we'll just move him out to tackle on passing downs. That gives you an indication how how good the guy was.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt his talent, not just at the guard, but almost – his availability at any offensive lineman uh, position, I mean, it's nothing like when you see plays that inqu- that require a lineman to kind of swing out to provide additional outside blocking. That's an entirely different thing. That's asking one guy to make one move on one play. I mean, Kellen, like you said, he played in an entirely different position. That's that's essentially like asking a cornerback to play defensive lineman or a linebacker to play a corner a cornerback position I mean it's it's a completely different position and Alan Fanica never stuttered I mean even even on those games when he had to play at the tackle position we don't know if, if any of those four holds came on those on those games but regardless even if they did I mean he still averaged one holding call per four years I guess so didn't matter where he lined up obviously primarily a guard was his bread and butter. but the guy was just was a stud and I, I, I can't believe it's taken this long, but I'm, I'm glad, you know, what what was due for him finally came.
2: Well, it's funny you say that what was due for him finally came definitely applies to the next man that oh, yeah, was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Kind of funny. Maybe, how, maybe a little too late for this guy. Right, kind of and...
0: funny how you look to last year's class. Of the Hall of Fame, Bill Cowher and Troy Palamalo, it was just almost instantaneous. As soon as they were eligible, they got in. Compare that to this year's class of Alan Fanning and Bill forever. Nunn. Yeah, it just totally But still
2: two Steelers get in. Yep. It's going to be a big party in Canton next oh, time absolutely. that there's the Hall of Fame game because they got two classes to induct four, four Steelers guys. overall in both of those classes. But getting to Bill Nunn uh, this guy, I think, was responsible for the nineteen seventy Steeler dynasty in more ways than a lot of people. Maybe the only other person that might be able to claim the same level of responsibility is Chuck Knoll, the head coach. Right. I think it's these two at the top of the list. I, I mean, you look at that 1974 draft class where he picked Stalworth and-, and Blunt, and, and Donnie Shell was an undrafted free agent, and he got Mike Webster, and he got Lynn Swan. I, I mean, that's unbelievable. He got four Hall of Famers. In the first five rounds of yeah, the draft. Yeah,
0: so I don't think there's any question people d- shouldn't doubt that that's the – regardless of who want to credit, the best, class the best recruiting of all, class of all time. Draft right? class. Yeah, And, and sorry, the stories
2: class. behind John Stallworth, too, are great, about how he hid game film away from other teams so that no one would know about him. Because Stallworth didn't go into the fourth round. And Stallworth was an unbelievable talent playing at Alabama AM. and m And Stallworth credits him going not just to the NFL, being a Pittsburgh Steeler, to the fact that Bill Nunn actually – sought out talent at these HBCUs where no one else was doing that before. They would just maybe stop by for a, a quick uh, pit stop on their way to a, another college, and they wouldn't really pay attention to the players that were playing at these schools. And And Bill Nunn knew that there was talent there, and he used that as a pipeline. And it wasn't just with the HBCUs. He he looked for guys like Jack Lambert at Kent State. And it's just his ability to think outside the box yeah. that made him such a great visionary. And it delivered in the biggest way you possibly could. He, he was working at, as a reporter for the Pittsburgh <laughs> Courier yep. until he started with the Steelers in 1967. And then in 1969, he was hired full-time as a scout for the Steelers. And he worked there until he died in 2014. So that man has been all over the Pittsburgh Steelers, his fingerprints, since they really became a dynasty in the 70s.
1: Yeah, and I think one thing, too, that needs to be mentioned, it's not just a football thing. Um, with Bill Nunn either I mean he kind of opened the floodgates um, and opened the world's eyes really uh, to a different I mean let's be honest a a different set of people right I mean not many people uh, looked at the historically black colleges not many people did that Um, not only was Bill Nunn you know an an awesome um, scout recruiter whatever you want to call him but um, he was a great person and and really opened up um, a world of opportunity for so many people that Um, quite frankly didn't have it before then Um, and you know that's obviously way before all three of our times but just to look back at that and and understand like what he did for uh, so many players in that time and moving forward I mean who knows how long it would have taken if it wasn't for a guy like Bill Nunn um, to go to the historically black colleges and kind of show hey there's some talent here there's a lot of talent here who knows what would have happened but I mean it's kind of uh, poignant, especially now with everything going on in the world. Like, this guy, you know, kind of opened up the world's eyes to this whole thing. Right. I think you can,
0: if you isolate just the the one draft class, right, you could, you could have said that's enough pedigree for one guy to get into the Hall of Fame. But, Kellen, I love how you mentioned this guy was the one who kind of almost single-handedly changed the league, changed the NFL, changed how the NFL is – operated and changed how the game was played because of the players he introduced and allowed other teams to see who was available, not just to the Steelers. I mean, any team could go out right. and get these guys and we don't know how long it would have taken without Bill Nunn doing it first, but you can credit Bill Nunn as the first guy to saying, let's expand this league. Let's, let's, let's make it more available to more people. And, and, as much as we want to look back on the on the draft class that changed the Steelers, I mean, you can isolate that and you can isolate Bill Nunn's contributions to the league as a whole and say this this is Person A and this is Person B and Person A and Person B both deserve to get into the Hall of Fame for the individual things that they did. Combine that into one person, and it's just it's the ultimate contributor, and that's what he got in as as a contributor as a contributor to the game. And you don't see a lot of those. You don't see a lot of guys who are contributors and the way that they impacted the game in in such a grand level. And it's remarkable that Bill Nunn was with the Steelers until the day he died as a senior scout until 2014. And you think back to the 70s, of which he had the greatest impact, but he still, I don't know if it it was, was it enough? I mean, the guy just lived and breathed for football, and he lived and breathed for this franchise and, and probably for the sport as a whole. And the league is a better, is better, much better off honoring him for forever now that he's in the Hall of
2: Fame. He is the first Black contributor to ever mm-hmm, be elected to the Hall of Fame in the 100-year history of the Hall. But it was definitely a, a little too late, too long coming. You wish that he could have just been alive to right. see himself get put into the Hall of Fame. Right. But what a great moment for his family and, of course, all of Steelers Nation will forever remember Bill Nunn, and now he will be immortalized in the history of the NFL forever uh two guys that bill nunn would absolutely love aaron donald and tj watt the yeah. two guys that were fighting for the defensive player of the year award it really came down to those two guys we were talking uh on our show Steelers saturday last week about how you know it's just these two guys it's just a two-horse race really between uh for the defensive player of the year award and i kind of thought it was going to be tj watts going into the ceremony and the announcement saturday night i saw that a lot of the the places you could place bets were saying T.J. Watt was a favorite, Aaron Donald was plus money on a lot of places. Now, in retrospect, maybe Wish thrown a little <laughs> bit on Aaron Donald, thinking uh, in hindsight. But it really seemed like the tide was kind of going in T.J. Watt's direction, and I honestly was a little surprised when I saw the announcement that Aaron Donald had won the award, not to say that Aaron Donald's not a great player, and right you certainly don't have to stretch very hard to make the case for him being Defensive Player of the Year for the third time in his career. But I don't know. I, my initial reaction to it was surprise because I really did think it was going to be T.J. Watts this year.
1: Yeah, I did too. And, and really quick, I I, I know that uh, I'll defend T.J. here in a second, but I'm just trying to uh, rationalize the thinking as to why it is that Aaron Donald won the award over T.J. And I think it really boils down just to the fact that Aaron Donald is an interior lineman, and the things that he is able to do as an interior, as an an interior lineman, are no it's just unbelievable. I mean, to have 13 and a half sacks from being an interior lineman is unbelievable. And that's like maybe low for him. Yeah, like he's really. gone higher than that before yeah, in his absolutely. career, right? So, I mean, I again, I think I do think that TJ was more deserving, but when you look at it and you see what Aaron Donald is able to do. Um, especially from being a, you know, on the defensive line and interior lineman. It is amazing. Um, but T.J., uh, just to throw these numbers out, I'm sure a lot of people have seen them. Um, T.J. led in, let's see, seven in, yeah. st- uh, statistical categories, and Aaron Donald beat him in one. Force um, fumbles was the only one Right.
2: Beat him. A- and, 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 and it in, wasn't
0: even that wide of a margin. It was two. four to two right. in favor of Donald.
1: Where it,
2: in other categories there were wide margins. like mm-hmm. pressures. T.J.'s favorite. Watt right? had a plus 13 in pressures. Watt had double digits and quarterback hits, yeah, a lot in TJ's favor.
1: An interception in his in his favor in his state, too. Yeah. He drops Way in more. coverage, and um, obviously that's but something. But that speaks to the differences that you were talking right, about. Right, right. Those are the differences that that TJ is able to do a little bit more because he plays the edge, because he kind of plays an outside linebacker hybrid sort of deal. Um, he can drop into coverage. He can cover guys one on one. Donald doesn't do that and and kind of I think that kind of just gets thrown out because that's something that Donald doesn't do. Um, again, I do think TJ was deserving, and I think that um, this this year above any other year, I mean, last year we we know what happened. Uh, TJ was in the running, but um, lost out to Stefan Gilmore. Um, you know, I think this year was a little bit more so it should have been more deserving for him and and his brother, JJ tweeted out too. you know, TJ played one less game and still led the NFL in almost every major category. Um, but again, I understand why Aaron Donald did it. We talked about it on our show, um, that he might be one of the best defensive players ever at this point in his career. He very well might be when it's all said and done. But again, this year, I think TJ had a better year. But I do understand it at the same time.
0: Yeah, it's hard to argue against the guy whose name is Aaron Donald. Yeah, no question. That's like arguing against J.J. Watt in the early 2010s when he had, what was it, three MVPs back-to-back-to-back? He had two 20-sack seasons back-to-back. I mean, that guy, try arguing against J.J. Watt at that time. It's the same thing as arguing against Aaron Donald at this time. But it kind of makes me a little, Kellen, to your point, it kind of makes me a little more upset that TJ didn't win it last That's year. That's
2: exactly what I was going to say next.
0: Because he had a better year last year. Than Gilmore. Than he did, well, way above Gilmore. That's but what he, I mean, but He like, also had a better year last year than his numbers this year. TJ? Yeah, TJ did. And I don't think, I think it's really hard to give defensive MVP or defensive player of the year to a secondary guy. Ed Reed and Troy Polamalu did it without question, but I don't think Stefan Gilmore is anywhere near Did he them, have
2: a year that made you think Ed Reed, Troy Polamalu last no, year? No, question.
0: All. Also, I mean, yes, the Patriots got to the playoffs. Are you going to say that was Stephon Gilmore, or are you going to say that was Tom Brady, Bill Belichick? <laughs> and
2: then they lost in the first the round. The Steelers,
0: so. with Duck Hodgers and Mason Rudolph, got to 8-8, eight and eight, where if they had won one of those final three games that they lost – they were in the playoffs, and that wasn't because of Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges. That was because of T.J. Watt and the numbers he put up. Better numbers than he put up last year, and certainly more impactful numbers than Stephon Gilmore did last year. So I'm upset because I think people – there's if if you haven't recognized T.J.'s talent by now, you're just not watching football. You're not watching the same league as the rest of us because he is here. He is at – he is – if he hasn't – a if he hasn't gotten there yet, he is at least approaching J.J. Watt levels of talent, J.J. Watt levels of impact on the field. I, it's Again, it's hard to say that I'm upset that he lost to Aaron Donald because I think it's a worthy person to lose to. That's why it makes me more upset that he should have won last year against Stephon Gilmore. But I think, I mean, we saw after it was announced that Aaron Donald had won. TJ or JJ had obviously posted those stats, of yeah. the numbers comparing. But TJ did something a little more sly. He he posted the the Michael Jordan meme saying, and I took that personally. So maybe he'll come out hot and, and hungry for hopefully another chance at the uh, the running next year. But I mean, hopefully that'll even push him to say, hey, this it's a good title to have, but I really need to show my value to the team. I I really got to help my team not make it to the playoffs, but get like a good playoff run in there. So hopefully that's that's enough fuel to add to that fire to kind of get him going to say, hey, I, a defensive player can lead a team down a deep postseason run, not just a quarterback.
2: No, that's definitely the glass half full way of looking at things. And I think that's certainly what TJs going to do. He's going to use it uh, a, as more motivation. I couldn't agree more about how it's more hurtful to have him lose last year to Stephen Gilmore just because the quality of player he lost to last year wasn't on the same level as the player he lost to this year in Aaron Donald. Like I said, this is Donald's third time winning the Defensive Player of the Year Award. Uh, for players that are under 29, and hmm. Donald will turn 30 soon, I think in about 100 days but before next season, but for players under 29 right now, 29 or under there's not one that's more of a hall of fame lock in your mind than aaron donald right now and i say that patrick mahomes could get hurt next year Mm -hmm. career-ending injury there's going to be question about is he probably not going to be in the hall of fame aaron donald i think is a lock if his season ended career ended today donald's in okay
0: that's fair but would you be saying the same thing about patrick mahomes before this past weekend super bowl like without the super bowl in mind like do you think it affects your opinion of him at I all I think
2: even if he had a career ending injury it would have just been you can't get in the Hall of Fame because he only played for two seasons. You know what I mean? So once he establishes right. himself more, then he can get into that conversation. Well, if Patrick Mahomes plays like four more seasons and gets yeah. to 29, gets in. to age 30, he's in. He's a lock already. Even without
0: another Super Bowl. Exactly. Like, yeah.
2: he, it's just about that longevity for me with him. Donald has that already. I, I think if he wanted to hang it up right now, it would be like Calvin Johnson. Mm-hmm. He'd, be, he'd be in first ballot Hall of Fame. So there's no shame in losing the award no, to a guy to like Garrett guy. Donald. and. and you do hope it's motivation, not just to win defense player of the year, right. but motivation to come back and try to help this team win a Super Bowl. You think back to what Tom Brady, those stories were floating around Tom Brady like crazy leading up to the Super Bowl.
0: What was uh, the one you had told us? The about? guy
2: who had his head down because he didn't make, he make all a pro, pro or he didn't no, make he pro, didn't pro bowl, pro bowl team, which, which is even less than yeah. a defense player of the year. And Brady comes up to him and he's like, hey, keep your head high. Like, I didn't play this game to go to the pro bowl. I played this game to go to the Super Bowl. And that's just how you have to look at it if you're TJ Watt. And yes, the defensive player of the year award might come as a result of making a Super Bowl run and and impacting a game every single regular season Sunday to, to have your team in position to make a deep playoff run. But the ultimate goal should be winning that Super Bowl, coming back, helping the Steelers as best as you can to win that. And then the deep play will fall. In your lap, if it's gonna fall in your lap, but just keep playing and keep progressing the way that you have, and use it as motivation.
1: Yeah, and I think TJ's a guy too that uh, kind of takes it that way. That you know, the 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 individual accolades are nice, but he would trade them in a heartbeat if it meant playing in a Super Bowl. If it meant um, you know playing for a Super Bowl, I I I feel like that one hundred percent. And yeah, we 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 know that TJ is probably stung a little bit by the fact that he didn't win the award. But like we keep talking about, hopefully um, he uses it as motivation, which we all seem to think that he will. And, oh, by the way, it's not about individual awards. It's about the team award. It's about playing in that last game of the year. And obviously, you know, the Steelers didn't get there next year. Maybe this is extra motivation. Hey, let's get there next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the goal has to be despite the Ben Roethlisberger talks about whether he still has it the goal should still be to get to the super bowl for this team the defense certainly is capable of doing so we'll talk more about this the past this past week in the super bowl but i think a lot of steelers fans were were let down i think a lot of steelers fans and steelers players were disappointed in the fact that they weren't playing uh sunday night this past mm, weekend of so i mean and i think a lot of franchise we've talked about this in the past you know does, does a surprise wild-card team, are they satisfied with a wild-card win and then a division-round loss, kind of like the Browns of this year? They went 12-4, and four, they got the wild-card win, and that was it. Would they be satisfied? And I think the answer is no. I think every team plays to win a championship, no matter how bad you are, if you're the Jets or the Jaguars. Well, once
2: you're there and you win that game, you're right. thinking you can make a run. Right, like, exactly. Just...
0: So I think this team knows they can get there, and I think TJ knows he's capable of leading them there and i th- i think there's a certain uh, kind of mood around the locker room saying we know what we can do with ben compared to maybe other guys at the quarterback position we know we, this may be our best chance to win with a guy like ben so let's not waste it we we didn't get it done this year we know this is probably our last year so maybe maybe this is in addition to all that tj's tj's you know motivation to really step it up even though he's already stepped it up more to defensive player of the year caliber play for the last two years i mean so i'd be shocked to see what more he could do but i wouldn't be upset if i saw more out of him.
2: well one thing he can do to make that next step and it's a slight thing but it's just showing up in the bigger games a little bit more Zero sacks in the Buffalo game yeah. this year. Uh, very yeah. invisible in the Cleveland Browns playoff game as well. So that's just the next thing to go for. And Jacob, like you said, he's already proven he can lead you to the playoffs. But now it's taking that next step and leading in those big right. games. And hopefully we will see TJ Watt do that this coming season. And he will be on a revenge tour for but that Defensive Player of the Year
0: award. He's 0 2, right, in the playoffs. The Jacks are 2 in the playoffs, and, yes. In this cast game against Cleveland, yeah. So, so they're sh- definitely looking for at least a win, right?
2: There's a lot of hunger in T.J. Watt. No question about that. But that's going to do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. For Kellen Gursky and Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Opferman. Thank you for listening to us here on Steelers Nation Radio. You can also catch the podcast on Steelers.com. On our next episode of Steelers Standard, we're going to give you a full reaction to the Super Bowl, what we think about Tom Brady winning his seventh ring, beating Patrick Mahomes, and we'll also talk about some juicy NFL headlines going around the league. We'll talk to you then.